I think Gareth Bale should send a Valentine's Day gift to, uh, to Benitez every season. Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McCourt. And just like that, Barcelona were gone. <sighs> Underground. No one will ever see them again. They become a myth, a spook story that football managers tell their kids at night. If you forget to invest properly, rejuvenate your squad, prepare properly, or become complacent, a younger, hungrier PSG side will get you. A boy, did they get you. Here to talk about all of that and more is Nico Durbin. Hi. Deutsche Welle's Max Merrill. Hi. And returning hero... And looking like Robinson Crusoe, straight off a Caribbean cruise ship island adventure, <laughs> <laughs> it's Casper Schmick. Hola. How was it? You were just in Colombia, Casper. Yes, I was, yeah. How was it? Uh, it was fantastic. It's, uh, it's uh, a country I can only recommend everybody to travel to. Um, it's full of diversity. It's got Caribbean beaches. It's got um, the Andes. It's got uh, rainforest. So everything you need. And excellent coffee. Did you meet? Uh, Fastino Espria? Uh, no, I didn't, but I met a guy ah. on the street. Um, uh, I talked to him about um, El Tren Adolfo Valencia, who used to play for Bayern in the 90s, which was a great moment. That was right up your street. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we get cracking on the football talk, let's have some iTunes talk. Wherever you are in the world, please go to your local iTunes store. Please give us a rating and please leave a comment to let us know what you think of the podcast. It would, as ever, be most appreciated. Uh, and now for the football this is the fourth time in five campaigns Barcelona and PSG have been paired together, but nothing, nothing has quite been as big as this. Uh, Max, where do we start with, with that match? It's it's a weird one. I mean, I loved it because... Oh, uh, it was great. It was how the mighty have fallen. And um, Barcelona, for years, I was talking about you, about this to you yesterday, you had this team that were great, of course, but at the same time, they kept doing this thing where they got really lucky. I remember Robin van Persie being sent off for a second yellow uh, because he'd, you know, one second after the ref had blown the wh- whistle because he was offside, hit the ball and got sent off. And it was, you kind of felt like it was inevitably always going to be Barcelona in recent years at Real Madrid. So it's great to see PSG finally sort of uh, realise their dream, their their much uh, financially fueled dream of doing well in the Champions League. One of the things that sort of struck me afterwards is everybody was talking about Barcelona's collapse, mm-hmm. but they sort of forgot just how good PSG were. Yeah, although Barcelona were really bad. I mean, um, when I was watching the match, I kind of thought they must have had the flu or food poisoning on the way over. Because like, m- people like Messi were giving the ball away. Messi was dropping really deep. But yeah, you're right in saying PSG were great. I mean, uh, Draxler and uh, Di Maria, who for some reason commentators still call Dia Maria, which I really can't forgive. <laughs> and it just shows that they drink Tia Maria, uh, <laughs> which is also fir- quite embarrassing. That's the first thing that came to my mind. But those two were great. Um, just And I mean, you, you could tell the shift they put in because after 60 minutes, both of them were off, I think. Well, Draxler maybe a little bit later, but um, both of them were subbed off. And uh, that midfield three, though, that was really what impressed me because I kind of thought a few seasons back, Rabiot was this... French talent who wasn't really getting a game. His mum was getting involved with his transfer issues. And what? Yeah, his mum his um, was trying to force a move at some point, which was a bizarre thing to do. Is this uh, like one of those times when you call up your mum to sort of solve all your problems? Yeah, and then she ends up tweeting about how PSG are mistreating her son. Um, <laughs> but uh, Blaise Matuidi, I, I love him. I really want him, wanted him to sign for Man U a few years ago when it looked like that could happen. Um, doesn't look like it anymore because he's captain of PSG, but... 
and Verratti, uh, one of those that people sort of wax lyrical about all the time. And I've mm-hmm. always said, well, I haven't really seen him do it, but but now I have because um, because he was playing passes that he, it's the kind of passes that maybe you get people like Pirlo or Özil play where you just think, how did he see that angle? How did he even see that player? Um, how did he spot the run? So amazing performance from them. And the right back, Munier, I thought was great, who um, I'd never heard of, really, apart from a brief cameo at the Euros. But um, a great performance from PSG. I was surprised to see Kevin Trapp in goal because it seems like that bloke Ariola's been getting a few games. But Kevin Trapp, he pulled off a good save at one point. But um, defensively, PSG weren't really challenged. It was a bit embarrassing from Barcelona. Julian Draxler, you Germans. He gets on the big stage. He performs brilliantly. And I, 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 I'm sure we've talked about this before, but I'm, a, I'm the number one fan in his fan club. And last time you said that, I told you that I think he is uh, German's biggest football talent. Like, I think, because, um, <laughs> you know, more in the, in the creative uh, parts of the match, he's our biggest football talent. But I don't see him as much more as a talent at this stage, still. Still? Like, still, I mean... He's just destroyed Barcelona and you're still calling him just a talent? Yeah, if you uh, keep it up for a season, then you're past the, the talent mm. stage, um, if you ask me. And it happened before. It happened in Wolfsburg as well. Like, he came to Wolfsburg and I think the first five, six, seven matches were brilliant. Um, and everybody thought, sweet, yeah? Mm. Well, Wolfsburg has a new playmaker... And the Bundesliga has a new competitor for uh, Bayern Munich. The thing mm. is, well, how old is he? 23, 24? By this point, I would have expected him to do much more than just have you know a few big matches. Yeah, I think with him, uh, undoubtedly, there's a, there's a huge talent, but he's been having injuries quite a bit, and he's just inconsistent. And that's yeah, the, the, yeah. the tiny difference between a, a really good talent and uh, an yeah. amazing sort of world-class star in the making. It's also um, the difference from um, stepping up from being a talent to becoming a star is uh, a mental difference most of the times, I think. Um, and that is still his biggest challenge. Um, he is at PSG now. Like There are plenty other players the media can talk about, so he's not the only one being talked about. Maybe that helps him. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he doesn't um, step up now, then going to be tough he's in a team of stars now as well yeah. so he's got a much much better service and if if he has a poor game you'll maybe have Cavani have a good game maybe have uh, Di Maria have a good game whereas at Wolfsburg when things were going badly he was inevitably going to be a scapegoat because he's yeah. the creative spark he's meant to score the goals or set up the goals yeah. well it probably helped that he's playing against Sergio uh, Roberto as well who will knock it in as the greatest Barcelona fullback of all time is this these sort of is this the end of Luis Enrique or the end of Barcelona as we know it? Yeah, well, I was going to see what you guys thought about. Is it the end of MSN as we know it? And I'm talking, of course, about Messi, Suarez, Neymar, not the outdated uh, messaging service. One, th- <laughs> I mean, Messi, for, for, for me, that, that was kind of why I thought the team must have like a stomach bug or something, because Messi just looked completely out of it. He w- it didn't look like someone who was interested in having a good game. He was giving the ball away. Uh, but what really annoyed me most out of those three players was Neymar because he arguably had the best game out of the three. But in the 15th minute, he he went down to tie his shoelace as Barcelona were attacking the PSG goal. I saw this, yeah. Which was absurd enough. But And, and because I knew I was going to talk about this game, I, th- I thought, right, I'm going to 
have a look at how long it takes him to get back up. He was down there for, I'd say, a minute and 40 seconds yeah. tying his shoe. Then he went off injured, which I think he just did because he knew, oh, you know, I've done this too long now and it looks embarrassing if I don't go off. Had treatment for another three minutes. Barcelona were down to 10 men, conceded a free kick, conceded a goal. And then he came back on and sort of jogged on and had a pretty half-hearted first half. I think that's absurd behaviour. If you've got to tie your shoe, that's one thing. But to take as long as he did, it's ridiculous. And I, I kind of think there's something up there because you don't just do that in a Champions League game, you know, take like three, four minutes out of the game and put your team down to 10 men. Well, I think that's something, the thing that is up is Luis Enrique. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of reports now within the Catalan press and within the Barcelona press and the Spanish press that uh, he's lost the dressing room, that the players aren't playing for him anymore, that these, I mean, you could see it easily. I mean, everybody could see it. He didn't manage to change the game tactically when they went behind um, during the during the Champions League game during the week. Mm. I mean, and Messi was, the, Messi was the big, big worry. If I were a Barcelona fan, Messi would be the big worry. He's running down to a year left in his contract. Not necessarily happy where he is. Didn't maybe get the support he wanted during the whole tax thing. Yeah, well, Luis Enrique hasn't really been the most popular Barca manager anyway. But um, there was a few interesting moments after the game. He he was interviewed by someone and he did a bit of a, uh, for lack of a better example, he did a bit of a Mourinho and went into a strop because the bloke said, you know, the reporter said, you know, you, why didn't you affect the game tactically? And he said, oh, well, if you think that, then you didn't watch the game. And had a little go at him. And uh, But the fact is he didn't make three substitutions. He only made two. Which also maybe shows you a bit about the, the squad that Barcelona have now because you have Iniesta who, who's ready to retire, Busquets mm. who's, well, I've never really liked him that much but I can see that he's been an important player for them but he didn't look good. Messi, like you say, mm-hmm. you know, go in, Suarez ageing. I just think that they've, they've been so preoccupied with being, you know, mesh and club, we are Barcelona, that they've kind of lost sight of actually what they're doing. And then Enrique has said on multiple occasions that he doesn't really want to be Barcelona manager, that he's quite happy to call it a day at any point. And uh, I think he's much more interested in doing the Ironman or triathlons. He's big into his Ironman. Yeah, yeah. And he's fit, fit as yeah, a fiddle. Yeah. What's well, it come with a lot of pressure, I guess? I mean, Pep didn't necessarily enjoy being Bayern manager either. Bayern or Barca? What, or, well, or Barca, yeah, Barca manager. Yeah. Yeah, I don't sorry, think anyone right. does. I don't think uh, uh, Gerardo Martino did. And I think it's a pretty thankless job because you get criticised similar to to the Real Madrid job, although you have long, long-term or longish term job security at Barca. But I think it is maybe something that they have to look at as well. The amount of pressure piled onto this figurehead at the club. Uh, while certain figures like Messi although he wasn't maybe as as well supported as he could have been during the tax saga, uh, does is sort of exempt from pressure. And a yeah. lot of the players like in the past, Xavi, Iniesta, completely exempt from pressure and it all goes back to the manager. And I mean, I cannot, I cannot see Luis Enrique being there next season. No. Um, the question is, will we see someone like, like Tuchel, <laughs> which has been touted by a few media outlets? I don't think he's quite got the quality, but... Uh, Anybody else? Tuchel at Barcelona? No. I'd give him another few years at Dortmund no. or or a smaller club like Arsenal. Well, if, if, um, if, if, <laughs> that is if he survives at Dortmund, because if he doesn't make yeah. Champions League, you know it looks uh, it looks pretty bad for him there yeah, as well. They will make the Champions League. I mean, but anyway, Dortmund uh, is another topic. We'll we'll talk about Dortmund in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But you you mentioned Arsenal, Casper, and uh, boy, it's not been it's not been a good it's not been a good week for away sides 
in the Champions League, has it? Bayern. No, I mean it shows that in the, in the group them. stage, um, Bayern really uh, thrashed Arsenal after the break. Um, it really showed again that Arsenal are, aside from some players like Alexis Sanchez, um, an average team. Um, a player like Coquelin, or, you know, I wouldn't see him getting into any other of the big sides in in the Premier League. Um, mm -hmm. And yesterday, um, uh, once again in the big games, um, uh, the Bayern players stepped up, um, although they didn't play to their sort of mesmerizing best. I think um, the game against Leipzig, I think they were they were playing a much better game, um, but um, there was no resistance from Arsenal whatsoever. And actually, for once, I read this somewhere: um, Arsenal played as well as Barcelona, so um, they can be a bit, <laughs> they can take something away from it. Yeah, yeah. And Ancelotti actually called it the probably best uh, performance of the season. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. Was it their best performance of the season? Well, yeah, considering it's uh, Champions League against Arsenal, um, it's it's a different match than Bundesliga against Leipzig. Still, Leipzig is second, of course, in the Bundesliga, but um, <clears throat> I think there was definitely more to lose and more to win um, yesterday. So it was the best game of the season, yeah. Okay. I think. Um, how good was Thiago? Absolutely incredible. He's showing um, his worth more and more this season, um, and he's not as he's not injured as often as as he as he was in the past seasons. Um, so I, I really have to say he was holding the the, the team together, and he was um, pulling the strings. Mm -hmm. uh, and all the goals they scored um, were scored in a in a really nice fashion. I think that third goal was sublime. Yeah, sublime. Yeah. Yeah. I rewatched it again a couple of times this morning. I had a, a few minutes before my wrestle with German bureaucracy. And um, I was just watching it. So he starts the move wide on the left and just skips past a few players just really beautifully. And despite him being the obviously obvious danger man for it, he's allowed to just, you know, waltz into the box unopposed and Lewandowski does that beautiful flick and yeah. That was it. That was it for Arsenal. Sorry, you wanted to say something, Nico. Uh, it just shows like Thiago at 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 his best for Bayern Munich right now shows that Barcelona kind of touched touched a bullet there um, to for for transition for next uh, generation in their central midfield. Um, and I think that is. And now we're talking uh, about Bayern Munich now, but that is one of the bigger mistakes management has done in Barcelona of the recent years. That they didn't really build up the coming generations, and it was, you know, if there was somebody coming, it was still too early, and they were just blocked by Iniesta, for example, Xavi in the middle. But now, when they need somebody, there's nobody there. They're mm -hmm. all gone. Yeah, I was actually reading about that transfer in the um, Marty Perrineau book, Pep Confidential, the other day. Uh, a terribly boring book, but the um, it was sort of interesting the insight they give to that that Tiago was really eager to come work for Pep, right? And didn't feel like he had a, a choice or a chance at all at um, at uh, Barcelona. So you're saying he's going to City? <laughs> so he might be. He may be up. The, the rumor starts here, but he was really eager to get out of Barcelona and work with Pep, which I thought right. was interesting. And they let him go for nothing, basically next to nothing. Yeah. I think it was 10 million or something. I can't remember the exact figure now. No, 25, but, I think. Oh, was it 25 yeah. million? I mean, you're getting a centre midfielder that's going to run the most yeah. important part of the pitch yeah. for the next couple of years. But, um, regarding Bayern's form, I mean, this game uh, obviously should be very uplifting uh, to the spirits in the, in the dressing room. Um, and I think now it's the business end, of, business end of the season and now Bayern need to be in top shape in the, in the coming two months. Yeah. Um, so... 
you know, Ancelotti might have just gotten it right. Um, Uli Hoeneß was saying uh, that when whenever him and Rummenigge get get really nervous, Ancelotti's just the the coolest bloke uh, on earth. So um, he he hopefully has it figured out for them. I believe in that. Yeah, and we also saw yesterday why some people say that Philip Lahm is one of the smarter football players. You know, like he had two yellow cards, and then eighty third minute he gets the third yellow card. So at this point, that's a perfect timing. It's not too early, so you're risking like a yellow red card and you're being a man down against Arsenal and conceded second away goal. Um, he only had seven minutes more to play. Seeing his third yellow card, he's off in in the next game, which it's it's not going to be uh, uh, too difficult. And he's back in in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I noticed that too. And I was thinking, that's a very smart move. He yeah. definitely did that on purpose. Absolutely. Philip Lam rarely gets a yellow card. And it's either because he has no other chance to defend or because he wants it. Okay. Yeah, and he wanted it yesterday. I think that's legitimate as well. Because, I mean, I remember Mourinho coming into criticism at Real when, when he did that with a few players. But if you're going to make a rule with you know yellow cards carrying on a suspension that's i Absolutely. think that's perfectly fine but some people get really upset about it say it's cheating no i'm i'm good with it i think that's fine uh, i've got two more questions before we we move on to a bit more dortmund why on earth are bayern playing the seven nation army after a goal is scored <laughs> i don't get uh, this. this um i think after some european championships where the italian fans always chanted that song um they just adopted it. Basically, the Bundesliga fans are always adopting other people's and other fans' songs. And yeah. Like, oh. uh, you'll never walk alone. You'll never Borussia walk alone Dortmund. at every yeah. club, I guess. Yeah. It reminds me of the darts. Every club has a fan friendship with Liverpool for some reason. When, when you lived in England, did you ever go to the darts? Yeah. I went Does it remind you of the, the darts? in Manchester yeah, World yeah. Series. Oh, oh, incredible. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not known for a pop culture, you know, so we need to, to get inspired somewhere. Yeah, at least they don't also, do the Mexican wave. Every, Bayern every Munich is not stadium. known for having the the greatest fans, so they have to <laughs> Nico, they have to do something like that. Oh, sorry, I forgot you about agree? Stuttgart. <clears throat> Would you agree to that? Okay, that's that's maybe a debate for another day. Um, Arsenal were pretty pathetic, mentally weak. Uh, They're not going to win anything this season. Finger. Mesut. Well, never. I mean, let's Mesut's another topic altogether. What about Wenger? Um, well, my father's a lifelong Arsenal fan, and I thankfully dodged that bullet because, um, yeah, because it was a team full of French Frenchmen, and I, I found Manchester United more interesting as a young kid. I'm really glad I didn't grow up as an Arsenal fan because it must be <laughs> incredibly frustrating. I do. I cannot understand how you can be call yourself a successful club if every year all you do is get a participation medal in the Champions League. <laughs> and it, it's it's gotten really ridiculous to the point where you ask yourself, is Wenger even going for the title in any competition? I mean, the FA Cup, yeah, you could say they've won that uh, twice in the last few years, but... Whatever. Um, I, he, I mean, there was an interesting with Ian Wright, who kind of slip of the tongue revealed that Wenger had maybe hinted that he's going to exit the end of, end of the season. I think that might be a good idea, uh, but if he does, the board, hopefully, for their uh, sake, will have to already have sounded out candidates, because if you look at what happened at Man United when Ferguson left, mm -hmm. it kind of felt a little bit, even though they had a lot of time, it felt a little bit rushed and a little bit um, all over the place. With Arsenal, they it depends whether Wenger then goes up a level and sort mm -hmm. of stays on as like head of football or something like that. Um, because cause then you need someone who coaches like him. 
But there's been loads of names linked with Arsenal. Diego Simeone, who's completely opposite end of the table. But <laughs> Arsenal at the moment, it's, it's just the same story every single season. And for the most expensive season ticket in the Premier League, that's not good enough. But who, like, which coach would come on if Wenger stays there? It's like taking the, over, mm -hmm. running the company of your dad, but the dad is still on the board and making the calls. Yeah. No one. Eddie Howe is one that was mentioned because he's yeah. he's seen as as a young coach in England who can who can you know play proper football. But again, that's someone that it's the same situation that when when you know United brought in David Moyes, he'd never played for a title before. He'd never played in the Champions League before. Well, so then you have that issue. So yeah. uh, I really think I think Arsenal need a fresh start, absolutely. a clean cut. I yeah. agree. I heard somewhere, but it's it's too it's too comfortable where they are. Like I think mm -hmm. that is the problem. It's really comfortable. They they qualify for Champions League, and he's been there for a decade, almost two. Um, and they're aware of the fact that whoever they bring on board, they might drop down. They might miss the Champions League for a year, um, etc. Um, but they need to do that. It's just a transition period, and that's what you have to face. It's I, this, this thing of football and business uh, where it makes complete financial sense to keep Wenger. Yeah, probably, but oh, come on. Those poor fans are going to suffer. It makes also, yeah, it makes also um, a lot of sense to give your fans a little bit of hope um, in the future. Nico, you watched Dortmund. I did. So we didn't have to. <laughs> How was it? Oh, it's, you never know what you get with Dortmund and Tuchel this season. Um, I was, I was expecting a really good performance by Dortmund. Um, although they, they lost to Darmstadt, which at this point, 10 points in the Bundesliga. That was last weekend for anybody who missed that. Exactly. Yeah. So losing that match, flying to, to Lisbon, um, to Lisbon, playing there. And they played really well. Like they performed the way we all expected it. But there was one little issue, and that was that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang did not score a goal, which he had the chance to five or six times, if you ask me. And then he's being taken off by Tuchel later in the game. Tuchel saying that I just did not have the feeling that he will be able to score in this match after he missed the penalty. And I don't know. Have you seen the penalty? I saw the penalty. Ah, yeah. I mean, this... <laughs> like, if he does not shut up right now about where he's going and that he wants to go, etc., then I don't know when. Like, that was pathetic. <laughs> that was the worst penalty i've seen in a long long time it was pretty bad the goalie had so much time to make up his mind to to stand in the middle like he, he made that step to the right like okay well i have to pick a corner where is he gonna where's he gonna shoot he makes that step to the right and then he sees wait oh oh well he's actually kicking the ball straight up into my arms and then he stays in the middle and catches it come on sorry guys yeah that's No, that's really poor. And there you see that Aubameyang, he is one of the best strikers uh, in Europe if he does not have to think too much, if he can just play by his instincts, if he gets the balls and just go for it. He scores so many kind of one-touch strikes where he gets the ball in the middle and shoots and in, you know, um, and, and it's for a reason that three of his last four penalties did not go in. So maybe it's time for next one. He's missed that many. Yeah. He scored 
um, all the six he did before. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last four penalties, three didn't go in. Would you be confident of them making it through to the next round? One nil away from home is not so bad, I guess. I mean, they had the chances to score three or four goals in Lisbon. Um, they are the better team. Mm-hmm. But everything is possible, to be honest. I would not be surprised that if they win 3-4-0 the next game, I would also not be surprised if they play 0-0. Uh, okay. Yeah. But we don't give Barca or uh, Arsenal any hope, do we? No, I don't. Now, it's been a while since we talked Serie A, so to remedy that, we've called up Nima Tavale from SempreInter.com to talk all things Italian. Nima, there are two Italian teams left in Champions League. One of them played last night against Real Madrid. Uh, what did you make of Napoli's performance? Will they be disappointed with the results, even if they got the even if they got the away goal? Well, I think they will be, because they were... Uh, there was a lot of suspense, and they, they really built up towards this game. Uh, and uh, I, I expected them to draw. I, I really, because they're, they're really in great form right now. Uh, so I think they will be a little bit disappointed. But having said that, this uh, Napoli can beat anyone at home. Uh, so I don't, I don't. They're not completely out of it, but yeah, they, 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 they should be. They're, they're probably a little bit disappointed. I mean, losing by one goal is fine. But a two-goal difference is uh, maybe a little bit too much. I have a feeling that Dreer's Martin, uh, Mertens miss the one midway through the second half. It might come back to haunt them. Yes, uh, it, we, we probably will because uh, you don't get a lot of chances. Uh, you know, chances like that, it, you have to score them. And Mertens has been very clinical this season, especially these past few months. So uh, yeah, that could. Uh, I mean, if they if they lost by three two, then I would say that they're actually. Napoli would be my favourites to go through because at the San Paolo they can beat anyone and they have in the past so uh, yeah it's probably difficult but having said that I think Napoli of their own uh, they showed that they are a good team yesterday it's just that Real Madrid are a fantastic team no shame in, in coming away with that result then maybe with that in mind back in the league Juventus are top a couple of points clear of Roma more clear of Napoli They've yet to lose at home this season and there's just been a few blips on the road. Statistically, they've the best defence and they've one of the best attacks. So that would suggest the league is over already. Oh, definitely. Uh, there's uh, no... <laughs> you, yeah, but I mean, Juventus are at another level. They really are and they have been for the past six years. Uh, and this uh, this season, you know, with the signings they've made I and this 4 2 3 one, Formation with uh, that they've got going is is uh, they're unbeatable. They really are in the city. Yeah, there's no team that can really threaten them uh, over 38 games. Uh, and uh, the problem has been that Roma and Napoli have been uh, these past few seasons. You know, they can probably they can they can beat Juventus in one game, but then the following week they lose points to uh, Bologna or uh, Kiev or. And that's what's uh, that's what's prevented these teams from properly threatening Juventus. Juventus can lose away at Fiorentina, but then they go the next week against Genoa and just wipe the floor with them. Uh, <clears throat> that's the difference. Juventus are the most consistent team in the Serie A, and that's what wins you the title. So there's n- there's no hope whatsoever for Roma or Napoli. 
there's always, I mean, there's no whole, I mean, I don't want to sound uh, that miserable, but no, I, I just don't see how anyone, I mean, Juventus will have to collapse completely, and I just don't see them doing that. Okay, well, what have you made of these Allegri to Arsenal rumours, which will only intensify given Arsenal's performance in the Champions League during the week? I think for Arsenal's sake and their fans, they need to get rid of Arsene Wenger yesterday. So uh, that's, uh, that is something that I think will happen uh, at some point because Wenger is just clueless. He, he seems completely clueless. I mean, He's been making the same mistakes and not doing anything about them for the past 10 years now. So that will probably, I think he will leave. Allegri, I think, is actually the perfect replacement for Vengar. Uh, now, whether or not, and, and it's quite clear that he will, he will, he like, he would like to go to the Premier League as well. I mean, he hasn't exactly declined. <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. He hasn't exactly uh, said that he hasn't ruled it out a move to Arsenal. Uh, so I think something could happen. Whether or not it happens in the summer or the following summer, I don't know. It depends a little bit on Wenger as well. What would make him such a perfect manager for Arsenal? Is it his man management or his tactics or is you just think he would rejuvenate the entire club? I think it's his uh, it's his tactics. I think he he, 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 play, he likes to play a kind of attacking uh, football that Arsenal are already equipped to play with the difference being that he also knows how to defend and uh, <clears throat> that, 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 that's what Arsenal are lacking. They they do have these skills and they do have the players to play that kind of football that he wants to play. Uh, however, they need to start learn how to defend, and that's what Allegri can help them with. Um, what about your own club, Inter? After a fairly disastrous start to this season under the board, uh, Pioli has managed to to turn things around. What what's been so different under him? Well, he's a coach that knows the Serie A. He's a coach that can uh, has got the players uh, believing in the cause and uh, got the entire club working towards one goal and uh, installing kind of a mental strength and psychological strength and belief that Inter haven't had in six years. He's got, you know, he... He's he's got everyone believing in in the cause, and he's got you know he's he's basically got in there and calmed things down, and he's got everyone moving in the same direction, and he's uh, he hasn't really changed the tactics that much. I mean, we we play a four two three one in these past few games. We played a three four two one. Excuse me. Uh, we've played three-man defence, but that's mainly I think due to the fact that our fullback situation has been disastrous for the past five years. And uh, Stanton, Dagatomo, D'Ambrosio and Alsaldi are not players that should be starting or even in the squad of a team that claims that they want to uh, dominate in Europe or you know win the league and play in the Champions League. And uh, that's, that's, the, that's the issue. Some might say the, the full-back issue has been disastrous since Roberto Carlos was sold. No, uh, Mike on I, I would say was pretty okay as well. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's it's since the days of Mike on. Uh, we haven't had a decent fullback since Mike on left the club. Un- until Gareth Bale got his got his hands on him. 
Well, that was uh, you know that game was pretty interesting because I mean Benitez, I think Gareth Bale should send a Valentine's Day gift to uh, uh, to Benitez every season for basically handing him his international breakthrough via the kamikaze tactics that he employed he deployed in those two matches, uh, making Michael look like shit. Uh, by putting, you know, getting the balance of the team completely wrong and, you know, having Mike on start 20, 30 yards higher up the pitch against the Gareth Bale, who at that time was probably one of the fastest sprinters in the world. So, no, I, I think that, that's just, that's just uh, Benita's genius. <laughs> uh, one, of the, um, one of the more interesting stories this season has been that of um, at Atlanta. Because uh, you have to go back quite a few years to see them uh, finishing, you know, in the top half of the table. Yet there they are kicking it with the big boys right at the top. Yeah, Atalanta. There's a lot of. Uh, I mean, if you if you talk about Atalanta, Atalanta's always been. Uh, they've always been known for their uh, ability to bring new talented players into the Italian uh, league, and you know they've always been that kind of a feeder club. What's really interesting now is um, I think you can't talk about Atalanta's success uh, this season without mentioning uh, Pierpaolo Marino, who's uh, the greatest Italian sporting director of the past 35 years. Marino is the guy, for those who don't know, he was the guy who was brought into Napoli mid-80s and signed Maradona Careca and Alemão, uh, you know, built that team in his first season. They won the Scudetto. Now, then after that, he was fired or he had to leave because he didn't get along with Luciano Monti, who has been the antithesis of how he works. And it's, you know, if you look at uh, Marino's career, you will see it's always been like that. He's always there in the beginning to build things and then he's, not, he's never really there to see them grow. Uh, like blue blossom fully. Um, he, he is also the modern. He's also the mind behind this this modern Napoli. Because when he after he left them in eighty seven, he he came back to Napoli in two thousand four when they were in Serie C, and there was nothing there. The team was completely bankrupt. There was no players, and he buys he he built Napoli from the from scratch. Players like Lavezzi, Hamšík. Uh, and then the, he resigned after they qualified for the Champions League and moved on. Uh, that's, that's how he's done. And that's kind of what he did at Atalanta as well. He took over there in 2011. And in 2015, he left after mutual consent. And then now you see how they're growing. He, he, was, he signed uh, Alejandro Gomez, who's been fantastic. Uh, he, he, he's... he's he always does this. He builds, he creates the environment and he builds, he brings in players and gives coaches to, that always work. I mean, he's never failed at a job. Uh, and I think that this is again, after the last time Atalanta did this well was back in the uh, late, early, uh, late 80s, early 90s when Glenn Sternberg was, uh, was the captain and they played, they finished in a UEFA Cup position. Uh, so we'll see how, if they can uh, even beat uh, their highest ever league finish uh, this season. But yeah, I think you have to talk about Pierpaolo Marino because he is the architect behind this. 
Will they finish in the Champions League spots? Atalanta? No, 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 no. I think it's that they would have to go past the um, top three. No, I can't. The top three is, uh, unfortunately for my Inter, I think it is Napoli, Roma and Juventus. But it, perhaps a UA, uh, Europa League spot? Well, yeah. That I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put that past them because uh, Inter will probably finish fourth. Then you've got the fifth place and then that's between them and Lazio. So yeah, why not? That was Nima Tavle from SempreInter.com. Nico, you look like you have something you want to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a fascinating conversation you had with Nima, but I stopped listening after a while, not because it wasn't interesting, but oh, just yeah. I got distracted by your socks. What? What's happening there? Oh, sorry. What is um, it? These are uh, my new socks, and they are, they're made by a company called Stance. I don't know if you're out there li- <laughs> listening, Stance. Product placement There's a section here? of this podcast that could be sponsored by you. Yes. Uh, and they do all these sort of very cool socks. But what is on them? They like yeah, red. What's going on there? So I believe it's the Virgin oh, Mary. Obvi- <laughs> what? So obviously, guys, you can't see us. Um, but yeah. he, he's sitting across from Hold on a second. I need, to, hold, I need to roll this up a bit. Hold on a second. It's and almost like a tattoo. Kind of cross-legged. Um, I'm looking... Usually I'm looking in his eyes, obviously, but it is I just the Virgin Mary. I'm very, very distracted, and it is the oh. Virgin Mary. Could Ooh. you maybe post a picture um, when you tweet about the podcast? Yeah, I could possibly do it that. Almost, okay. It yeah. almost looks like you know, like a tattoo sleeve. Sleeve. Yeah. You That's know, that the look I was going for because you know I'm not brave enough to get a tattoo. Man, they're pretty cool. I will say that. Is this okay. a, um, shall we say, higher range of sock pricing or are we talking about the bargain multi-pack? No, 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 this is not a bargain multi-pack. Not that I'm beyond the bargain multi-pack sock purchase. I mean, Primark has its uses, but these, let's say my sock game is high end. Uh, on That's fleek. On fleek, as the kids oh, would man. say. Sweet. Okay. Yes. So my birthday is next month. Yes. If you're still looking for a present, Ian. Yeah. Um, Although I'm sure you already bought something last year. Yeah, well, I, I I know exactly when your birthday is because it's the day before my dad's. I drop many, many hints. And you tell me day. every day because you sit right beside me. Exactly. <laughs> okay. That's all we have time for today. My thanks to Nico, Max, Casper, Nemo and our producer, Damien. Remember, wherever you are in the world, please go to your local iTunes store. Please give us that rating. Please leave a comment to let us know what you think of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Hello.